Chapter 4 The Sin, the Sinner, and the Sentence. Genesis 3 The first two chapters gave us creation's perfection. Like a newly finished statue, there it stands. The chisel has given its last touch. The sculptor is satisfied, pronounces it very good, and rests. All is fair. Earth is like heaven. But now the descent begins. The steps are no longer upward, but downward. Creaturehood cannot stand alone. The moment that it is left to itself, it totters, it falls. It must be joined to the Creator before it can stand. The fall is the first step towards this everlasting union, in virtue of which creation is to become infallible. 1. The Tempter Outwardly the serpent, inwardly the devil, thus called the serpent of old, Revelation 12, 9, and 22. Thus the Apostle Paul says, As the serpent deceived Eve, 2 Corinthians 11, 3, and so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, 2 Corinthians 2.11. This is the first demoniacal possession. Afterwards we read that the devils entered the herd, that Satan entered Judas, and that he filled the heart of Ananias. In speaking to man, he must use some fleshly form. Thus, by means of the serpent, he communicates with man. 2. The Temptation the tempter makes use of the testing tree and points to it as a mark of restraint and tyranny. His goal is to separate Adam and Eve from God and to produce the evil heart of unbelief that would make them depart from the living God. For this end, he suggests doubts on three points. First, God's goodness in prohibiting the tree. Second, his faithfulness in fulfilling his threats. And third, his truthfulness in deceiving them as to the real nature of the tree. Having gotten Eve to listen, he leads her on and then flatly contradicts God. You surely will not die. Verse 4. 3. The Bait The tempter uses faulty logic. Negative, you surely will not die. And positive, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 5. The first was to remove the dread of danger the second to lead her on. Knowledge. Knowledge like that of God. Intellectual ambition. This is man's first snare, and it will be his last. Worship of intellect and genius. Human supremacy in mind. Progress. Not in the knowledge of God Himself, Satan does not dare promise that, but of good and evil. Doesn't this imply that evil is in itself a strange attraction? To know evil, man will do and dare as much as to know good. Evil is, in his eyes, an empire of boundless range, to whose utmost limits he would willingly penetrate, thus his love of the sensational. The opening of the eyes to see afar off, whether into space or time or the substance of things, is an irresistible bait. What will man not do to obtain a wider range of vision? 4. The Success The Tempter Triumphs Woman, the weaker vessel, yields. She falls, and in falling she drags her husband down. Three things win her over. First, the tree was good for food, verse 6. 
why then not eat of it as of all the rest? Yet for this she had only Satan's word. But the lust of the flesh, 1 John 2.16, prevailed. Second, it was a delight to the eyes, verse 6. It looked good, and the lust of the eyes, 1 John 2.16, prevailed. And third, it makes wise. It is the tree of knowledge. She wants to be wise, and she will not wait for God's time, nor take it in God's way, but in her own, or rather, the devil's. Wisdom is the devil's bait. Wisdom apart from the only wise God, apart from Him who is the wisdom of God. What harm is there in wisdom? He still says. So, with this dishonesty, He leads men into knowledge where God is not, into literature where God is not, and where Christ is unknown. 5. The Shame. The first feeling that arises after the sin is the feeling of being unfit to be seen. Unfit to be seen by anyone, even by one another. Unfit for the sun to shine upon. A covering or darkness is their only refuge. Now they know what nakedness is. The virus of the forbidden tree has shot through them, and the sense of disobedience clouds their conscience. They know now, for the first time, the distinction between their attractive and unattractive parts, the clean and the unclean. They take the nearest and the broadest leaf and twist it over them. Here it is simply coverings. In later days it became ornaments as well. 6. The Dread How should we look on God, or how should God look on us? God comes down and they flee as far off as possible into the cover of the trees. Their fig leaves were more for themselves than for God. They dare not face Him. They dread His anger. Oh, folly! To hide from God! Yet man has always done so. Doing his deeds in darkness, or when alone, which he would not do in the light or before the others, is the same feeling as here. 7. The Trial God summons them. They come forth and stand at His bar. He questions them and brings out their whole guilt step by step. They blame each other. They blame God. They blame the serpent, but they sullenly admit the deed. Poor excuses! What can assuage sin? What will God accept as mitigation? They are guilty on their own admission. This is the verdict. 8. The Sentence Each of the guilty parties receives judgment. First, the serpent. As the instrument, he is cursed, and as the representative of the devil, he is cursed. One greater than the serpent is here. In this curse on the serpent, God reveals his love to the sinning race and tells them that instead of cursing the victim, as no doubt Satan expected, he means to take his part against Satan, to raise up a deliverer, the son of the woman who, though not without wounds, will destroy man's enemy. The man with the bruised heel is to be the bruiser of a serpent's head. Second, the woman. No curse but still a chastisement, a memorial of her sin. As the first in sin, she is to be in subjection. Though through childbearing she is to be the source of blessing, this very thing will be done in sorrow to remind her of her sin. And third, the man. No curse on himself, but on the ground for his sake. Fruitfulness in evil is the doom of the soil. Sorrow and death 
toil and sweat are the doom of man. Yet these, after all, are earthly. They do not separate him from the love of God. 9. The man's faith. He names his wife according to the promise, mother of all the living, verse 20, not of the dead, mother of him who is the living one, the resurrection and the life. Adam believed God and was justified. He accepted God's testimony to the coming Messiah as the living one, though born of her who had brought in death, and he became a partaker of life eternal. And 10. God's clothing for man. Coats of skins, those skins of the slain sacrifices provided by God Himself, were better and more durable than the fig leaves. They were types of heavenly garments and pre-indications of the source from which that clothing was to come, of the materials of which that clothing was to be composed, namely, the life and death of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. This was what the Lord meant when He said, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Luke 15:22. And what Paul meant when he said, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13:14. Yes, the Son of God has come to clothe us. He has provided the garments and he puts them on. They are fair and goodly, washed white in his own blood, and glorious as the sun. He asks us to take them. Indeed, he pleads with us to allow him to put them upon us. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. Revelation 3 18.